Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> it is good to be back with our church family. Amen. So before we get started here, this video that we just played really speaks to where we're headed as a church going into 2020. And I'll speak to that here in a little bit. But first, I want my lovely wife to say something, whatever you want to say. Something. No, it is great to be back. I'm serious. It, this morning, it was just so crazy. Maverick, you would have thought it was Christmas morning. He woke up before all of us. He has missed this house so much. I had underestimated the power of a church family for the kids. And so think of the kids. When, they, when families are looking for a home church, those kids need that connection. And I did not realize how important it was. We visited other uh, families and friends in ministry, but there's something about your home church. And it, it just gave us a new um, appreciation for the connection, the commitment, the, just that family feel. And we got to see that in our children's lives too. But just bear with us. We feel a little bit feral because we've been out for so long. But it was, it was an incredible time. Uh, incredible time of growth and I think at one point we kind of sat in a chair and drank our coffee together and just looked at each other and said I don't have anything more to say to you it was funny it was I'm, I mean that's like that's it so <laughs> we are super excited about being back and just talked running out, didn't we? we did we talked ourselves out which we didn't think it was possible so love you all right I hope you down there do, 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 do. all right pastor Amy Yeah, and um, I, you know what, I, this isn't a part of the talk today at all, but I just, I want to say something that I, I, I observed, like Amy said, traveling, going from friends' churches and different churches and such, can I just say this to you guys, there is a richness about being a part of a body, okay, and not just going to a body, but serving at a body, because we would go to churches, but we weren't serving at those churches, okay? And, I, and this is something I never expected to learn on my sabbatical. And what I learned on my sabbatical is I can't be a Christ follower and not serve at a local church. Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Momentum. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm like, how in the world do people do this? How do you do that? How do you do that week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out? Go sit in a church and not do anything. It drove me nuts. I'm telling you, everywhere I went, I was talking about Jesus to people because I'm like, I ain't going to get a chance this week to tell nobody about Jesus. So at Stevie B's, I'm talking about Jesus. At Walmart, I'm talking about Jesus. It was awesome. But all I was getting at was there's something about connecting to a local body. And I would visit these churches and I would watch their ministry teams. And I'm like, that's what it's about. Look at these people loving on people. Look at these people serving people. The lost coming in this house and they're serving the lost. And the found coming to this house and they're serving the found. And I got to experience it from the pew. And it gave me a passion. And I've said it before, but I don't even know if I believed it when it came out of my mouth. I've said, I don't do what I do because I'm a pastor. I do what I do because I'm a Christian. Back when I plumbed, I served. And I would love to say if today I was still plumbing, I'd be serving like a mad, 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 mad. Like I'd be serving lots. 
And I, I, don't, I don't know why this is the first thing coming out of my mouth. It's supposed to be Christmas, but I think it's a part of our worship. I think it's a part of that more today than yesterday kind of lifestyle. You know that something's burning on the inside of me and it's changing who I am. Amen? And I didn't notice that while I was kind of neck deep doing it all the time. But I know when I was sitting there, I'm thinking, I know there's folks that just, this is just part of life. Or maybe the part of life is that I just, I go like a smorgasbord and I pop from this church to this church to this church to this church to this church. It was neat. I, I, I love seeing different things, you know. But I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't grow because of what was going on in each of those churches. There was no discipleship formed in me when I was bouncing around. I grew with what was going on with the Word of God in my life week to week because I was in the Word, but not because I was in a flow. But I know those people in those churches, they're in a flow of discipleship. They're in a flow of growth. Does that make sense? And then the idea of this, journey group, small group. If I would have just went week after week after week after week to all the different churches and never was a part of some small group, I would not be who I am right now after three months. That is one thing, guys, you didn't realize this, but I never missed my small group. If I was in town, I was in my small group still during the sabbatical because I felt that was so important for me to be able to be where I need to be spiritually over the next three months, I needed to be in small group. And so I, I'm, I'm not trying to come back and lay a heavy guilt on you. I just realized it in real time that, man, being a part of, I'm not saying don't visit other churches sometimes, but be consistent, you know, be in a small group, be in volunteering, serving, be, be, just do something for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. And as you can tell, of all times for me to get sick Thursday afternoon, it started to come on me. And I'm like, oh, come on. Lord, you have such a sense of humor. I, don't you know, God, I want to go back to our church and I want to shine. <laughs> I don't want to go back sounding like Kermit the Frog, you know. And the Lord has a sense of humor because this whole sabbatical, he's been speaking a word into Amy and I's spirit. And that word was proclamation. Say proclamation. I told you all back in September, the word over this house when it comes to 2020 was discipleship and development. And it is. What God's going to take us in in 2020 as a church is discipleship and development. But it's going to come out of a theme or spirit of proclamation. And what I mean by that, the Lord laid in my heart the very first week of my sabbatical that we need to focus more on who God is up in here, up in here. Amen? Amen. Not, not just our, our fun little relationships, even amongst our small groups or our ministry teams. That's wonderful, but your relationship isn't going to keep you if your faith in Christ ain't right. Amen? Amen? And so the who he is is so important as we go into this coming year, this idea of proclamation and a focus on who he is. And so that's where we're headed in this coming year. And what we're going to be looking at is a 50-day journey. As we go into January and February, a 50-day journey of experiencing Christ. How many want to go there with me? Amen? Uh, yeah, yeah. Give God some praise for that. Yeah. A 50-day journey of getting our eyes on Jesus. Hmm. That's where I went on a sabbatical. There are people that aren't in this church right now because pastor went on a sabbatical. 
Can I tell you, everybody that's in this room right now, guess what? Your eyes were on Jesus, not Ross. Come on, somebody. Amen? No, I want to preach that right now. That's where our eyes should be, is on Jesus. We got some good preachers up in here. The Ross didn't have to be in this platform for folk to be here. Amen? But there's some folk that, well, if he's going to play hooky, I'm going to play hooky. Merry Christmas. Like, man, he should have stayed on sabbatical. <laughs> Listen, during this 50-week experience, no, 50-day experience, we're gonna, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. Ready? We're going to have a seven-week fast. Y'all, like, looking at me like, I'm going to die. <laughs> seven, what, bro? Seven, no, no, no. Listen, listen. so we're going to start next, on January 6th. There's no service next Sunday. On January 5th, when we preach, we're going to introduce this series. The next Sunday, we're going to begin to introduce a, a point that I want you to understand about Jesus. And that Monday, which I think would be the, I think the 12th or 13th, somewhere around there, we're going to begin a week fasting of food. Okay, so food. The, the next week, we're going to look at another thing about Jesus, and we're going to begin a week social media fast. When I say week social, I mean W-E-E-K, social media fast. Not like, oh, I can do a week social media fast. That's just a little bit of Instagram, a little bit of, no, but we're going to do a week of that. And each week, a different subject about Jesus that we're going to tie to something that will allow us to be very thoughtful in our approach to thinking about who he is in our lives. Amen? In over 50 days, man, we're going to experience Jesus. We're going to set us ourselves up for proclamation of him so that we can be disciples and be developed in 2020. Amen? Sounds like a good thing to do. Amen? And so that's kind of where we're headed. <clears throat> now I'm kind of jumping in here, but I do want to take a moment. And thank you guys for allowing Amy and I to have this 12-week break, this, this sabbatical. If you're a guest with us today, man, it's so good to have you. If you're a guest with us the last few months and I haven't been around, hi, I'm your pastor. <laughs> and it's so funny because I know how awesome our preachers are around here. And I've just been like, my prayers kind of, I'll just be honest, my prayers kind of been like, Lord, don't let me run them off. They like it here. You know, it's like, this is good. It's like, no. And I will be honest, today I was going, is this going to be like riding a bike? You know, they say you can never forget how to ride a bike. I'm a little nervous coming here. You're not. Frightening. No, you're not. <coughs> you're not. But I do want to say this with, the, with the, the, the sabbatical. Going into it, it felt very much of a nice honor that you were giving us after 15 years of planting this church, after 28 and a half, almost 30 years of ministry. What a neat honor. But can I just be really upfront and honest with you? On the fifth week of the sabbatical, after having read several books and having gone to some counseling, which was incredible, we thought we were going to go do a marriage tune-up kind of counseling experience after 25 years of marriage. And it was just a Ross tune-up. I know that's hard for you to believe, but it was just eye-opening about some of the injuries, some of the things that I've been experiencing in my life and how it was affecting me. And I didn't realize it until the fifth weekend, and I come back from that experience, and I'm sitting in my room where Amy and I do our devotions and our study, and we pray, and we dream, and, <clears throat> and I'm sitting there, and I just started weeping before the Lord because I realized this wasn't in prevention. I thought, I thought it was something that was kind of ahead of time, but I realized, man, I was fried, okay? Amen? 
You're like, I know you were, Pastor. But I, I didn't realize it for myself until five weeks in. And on that fifth weekend, I began to weep and thank Jesus that our board and our church and the staff we have could allow Amy and I to have this break. Because literally, have we not had this break six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, I don't know where my heart would have been. Amen? But I didn't realize it until I had a baseline. I didn't realize it. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize it until... That's something new I just started doing. I started tethering my hearing aid, and I haven't done that before I preached. You see what I just did? So I take my glasses off like I do to wipe my sweat, and then I come untethered. And then, be, and then because of my ADD, I can feel that, that's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> so I'm going to turn my hearing aid off, and I won't be able to hear you guys very well, but that won't drive me crazy. Because I, I just realized I can't, I got to be able to do this, right? That's like a quintessential preacher move. You, you can't get going with the Holy Ghost if you can't take your glasses off and wipe your face, you know? See, it's like riding a bike, but this is, this is, this was like going from a, a bicycle to a 12-speed. This was new, new components. <laughs> All right. Yes, we haven't got to the word yet today. But I just want to tell you thank you because I realized I needed it, and man, thank you. That's all I can say. I just, it just took five weeks before I realized it, but thank you. Going back to this idea of getting our eyes on Jesus, this idea of proclamation, today I want to be able to just lift our eyes to Jesus so that we can worship him more with our lives. And I could probably tell story after story from our sabbatical, and I'll weave some of those stories into the next few months, you know. But, man, I want our eyes this Christmas season on Jesus. Let's stand to our feet like I like to do to honor God's word as we read it. And let's look here in Luke chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 26 through 35. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And, but she was great. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, shall kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, would you point us to you? Would you allow us, Lord, to place you where you belong on the throne of our hearts? Lord God, that we would look to you in worship, meaning that everything that we do in life would be to your glory. God, would you help us, Father, as we listen to this teaching today, would you help us draw close to you, that you might be seen in greater measure. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. amen. You can have your seat. <clears throat> Shout the word king. king. Shout it again. King. king. 
It says in verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign, shout reign. We serve a Jesus who, yes, was born a babe in a manger, but he is king of kings. Amen? Rey de reyes. I mean, that is who he is. He is that king. He is that Lord of lords, the most high. Man, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And I just want to say in here today, there's some things that try to rule over us at times. But can I tell you, the king is on the throne of your life. Amen? And when fear comes and tries to rule over you, you need to be able to tell fear in that moment, there is another king. When, when addiction comes back to haunt you, you need to be able to look at that addiction and say, hey, you know what addiction? There is another king. This king that was born babe in a manger is now the one that rules and reigns over my life. When that situation comes that haunts me, when that thing that comes this weekend feeling sick, like, Lord, I don't want to go back and preach. I'm sick. I want to go back and shine. Oh, dear Lord. You know, I felt like God's like, who cares? I'm going to shine. I'll let people see that the king is the king. Amen? He rules and he reigns. said to Mary, don't be afraid. So with that, it goes on in verse 30 and 31. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. And the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. How many women here, you've conceived a child, you've born a child, you, you, yes, yes, okay. So I'm going to speak from proxy i guess like like i don't have much experience in birthing children we've had five in our home born i gained weight with everyone i'm not sure if that if that counts <laughs> it's just not fair you know she would gain weight i would gain weight she would have a baby and i just kept getting fatter you know but when it comes to a baby coming, you know, especially in a situation with this little virgin girl, and maybe some of you here too, there's been th things in your life when the baby came, it wasn't a right time. Like, like how many here when the, your first child came, like you're like, how in the world are we going to feed this kid? We can't feed ourselves. Anybody? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I remember a family in Ohio had seven children. And I was like, we got a baby coming. What are we going to do? And they said, God can't fill a need until you have a need. All right, so we had five kids. <laughs> we're just testing God. You know, we're finding how it works. But no, it was true. But the thing with it <coughs> is sometimes there's that tension that happens around that baby. Mary, nobody here can compare to her. She's going through life as normal, life as usual, and then this blessing gets dropped in her life. How many here you've had a blessing before get dropped in your life, but it doesn't feel like a blessing in the moment? Yeah. In the moment, it's frustrating because it starts to change everything. It starts to, to move things around, your agenda, your schedule. You know, for a, for a mother, it starts to be something that literally changes her body. I just would say this. Sometimes the best gifts that you receive, they're on the backside of challenge. They really are, you know. And it's okay that your normalcy has been challenged when he and you know that he is on the throne. When you know what is being birthed in the moment has a kingly authority about it. When you, when you know what God is working, he's going to work it all out for his glory. I think that word glory is something that, that we attribute to kingship, you know. When we know without a shadow of a doubt that, yes, the challenge I'm going through, God, 
you're doing something here, you know. Because every mom in this room, when the baby came, it challenged everything. It started changing, and you could not manage that moment. It started changing everything in your life. For me, the sabbatical is kind of like that, in that this is different. And I called my dad, and <clears throat> he's been a preacher for I don't know how many years, a long time. And I called my dad, and I'm telling him what I'm going to do. And you know what he said? He goes, oh, Ross Allen, you're going to lose your church. Well, well thanks, Pop. That's <laughs> so what he said. We heard from the Lord, staff bored in prayer after a, the backside of a fast, we heard from the Lord that I was to take this break, okay? But I'm talking to my dad, and I love my dad, and in the moment, dad's like, you're going to lose your church. He goes, there, there's a guy here in our hometown. He took a sabbatical, lost his whole church over it. I'm like, okay, dad, did he have full-time staff? Well, no. Okay, I've got a good staff. Don't we have a good staff? Can you guys give them some praise, amen? Give them some honor. Woo! Man, Pastor Brantley, man, held this place together. Amen. The team kept this thing rolling. I love it. It was so good. I, I had no worries the whole time I was gone. But in the middle of that, right before the, the, the dad says, he goes, well, couldn't you just do like four weeks, five weeks, six weeks? I mean, like, like I, I get it, dad. This is what God told us to do, you know? And so, man, I'm feeling that. Why? Because it's challenging normalcy. It's challenging what we normally would do. And normally pastors and preachers are just going to go and go and go and go and go and go and go until they die. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to become an advocate for Sabbaths for pastors. You know? Before tragedy. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you something that you're going to, like, I know you know this already. There's nothing for inquiring minds to think. Smile. Isn't that cool? Your pastor wasn't stealing money. Your pastor wasn't chasing honey. <laughs> Amen? I got all the honey I can handle right there. Five foot tall. Mm. Mother of my five kids. We'd still be making them if it worked, but it don't work no more. No, I'm kidding. But you, I shouldn't have said that. If you're a guest with us, I'm sorry. I'm, I got so much drugs in me right now. <coughs> Dayquil's awesome. <coughs> Man. <laughs> All I'm getting at is, I love it. I love that our staff and our board had the sense before crazy stuff could happen. You know what I mean? Is that cool? And so I want us, even as a church, you all know we're already a resource church. You know that, right? Like, there's not too many weeks go by that people aren't asking our opinion on things, other ministries, you know, and we're even more so becoming a resource-type church. I want us to be able to be an advocate to say, hey, before things hit the fan, you know, take five weeks to realize it. Amen? I can't tell you how much I thank you for that. And again, it took me five weeks to realize I was at that place, you know? Praise the Lord. But you realize, but here's what I'm saying. It challenged normalcy. And with it, man, God was trying to burst something in this place. Y'all stuck with me. Amen? And God's trying to burst something in this place. And he needed me healthy. It challenged something. It challenged. But you know what? Our eyes are on Jesus, not on the man. And we're worshiping him, not worshiping man. And look what God's doing. He's going to work this thing out. I love that. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. And so everything that is normal gets challenged at times when you're birthing something, you know. 
You know, let me say it this way. You can't manage a baby that's growing. When that baby's in the womb, tell a mama to manage it. Slow it down. Slow that growth down. You, you know what I'm talking about. Alan, you have no clue. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That baby's going to overtake you. That, that's what's happening. How many mamas you felt like your, your kidneys were getting pushed aside? You know what I mean? Like, 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 let alone the bladder pressure stop. You know, all that stuff. It's horrible. I mean, like, the baby is going to overtake you. That baby is doing that. Everything that was once about you is now about the baby. Listen, don't miss what I'm going to say here. The choices you make about what you're eating, it's about the baby. The choices you make about drinking, it's about the baby. This, this Christmas, no eggnog for you, honey. Last Christmas. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. <clears throat> but no, what you are doing, the environment that you allow yourself to be around. When Amy was pregnant, we lived in this, this room, and downstairs was an apartment, and a dude smoking pot. And, and, and if Amy wasn't pregnant, I would have just enjoyed the secondhand smoke in the room. I, I would have, because that's the only smoke that preachers get, you know what I'm saying? And, but in the moment, my wife, no, I'm kidding. But my wife is pregnant, and the purple haze is coming in our room every night. I had to be able to guard her on that and go talk to that man kindly. And he stopped smoking the pot in-house and smoked it outside. But you got to be careful of the activities you do, the environment that you're in, all those things. Why? Because that baby is kind of ruling in that moment. That baby's the priority, and you're changing day by day, more today than yesterday. A little bit bigger today than you were yesterday. A little more developed today than yesterday. Sounds like discipleship, doesn't it? When we're honoring God's work in our life, we're realizing that, you know what? This thing I can't manage. This, this, this Messiah, this Jesus in my life, I can't manage him. Now listen to this. That baby in the womb, when you think about it, like what a little tyrant what a stinking little tyrant taking your blood supply and your food and your all the energy and just sap it. What a little, you don't think of it that way though, do you? No, no, you know why you don't think of him as a tyrant? That little child, it's not a tyrant because you think to yourself, what a little miracle. It's not a tyrant, it's a miracle. And listen, our miracle, Jesus, he didn't stay a baby. Our miracle didn't stay in a manger to be managed. Our miracle, Jesus, came forth to be king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? But we live in such a way as Christ followers that we try to manage him in our lives. <coughs> hmm. I'm just telling you, this baby is king of kings. That's who he is. Yeah, a baby in your womb will take over. Can I tell you right now, if God is birthing something in your life and you're allowing him to birth something in your life, it will take over. It'll take over your agenda. It'll take over your opinions. It'll take over your worldview. He will take over your finances. He will take over your time. He will take over your sexual interests. He will take over your marriage. He'll take over your parenting. But if we manage him, we don't let him be king in our lives. Because we're just satisfied for him to be cute baby Jesus in the manger. Amen? 
Now listen, there's a man in the story of Christ's birth who fully understood that Jesus came to be king of kings. And this man is by the name of Herod. In Matthew 2, it says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, everybody shout, king, of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. I love this. I, this is a, a story I don't think I've ever shared before in a Christmas sermon in all these years, but we're going to go there, all right? <coughs> they have come to worship him. These were men who were afar off. These were men who really didn't have the faith of the Hebrews. They, they didn't know the promises and the prophecies. They just were men that were, most people would think of them as astronomers, those that look at the sky, they're looking for signs, and they see this star, they know there's something supernatural, there's something spiritual about it, and they begin to pursue what this star is over. They begin to look for this, this one because that star heralds the birth of a king. And, and what's crazy is they're from afar off, but Herod is right there in the land, just south of Bethlehem. He knows the prophecies. He knows that the coming king is to come. He knows. He knows even Bethlehem. He knows all these things from, from his upbringing, but he's blind to it because he wants his agenda. <clears throat> he should have been up to speed, but he was so close, he was far. Think about that for a second. So close, he was far. It's like that so often with people when they first come to Jesus. They first come to Jesus and, Pastor, what do I need to do? What, how, how do I live? What do I? And they just are so open to God shaping and changing and, and working in their lives and, and, and serving and just living after God, you know? But after some time, we just kind of forget all that stuff. We get so close, we get, we get far. <coughs> and the object of our worship, the object of our passion that once held us, that once changed us, that once caused us to change our agendas, etc., you know, after a while, we start to pull away from that and from him. And we go into managing that excitement, if you will. We begin to manage it. We manage it. Shout manage it. Manage. Let me just say this. You can't manage something that's growing. Before the sabbatical, I'm going to be honest, I think I was starting to manage life and manage ministry and manage preaching and manage, you know, I, I still have my quiet time with the Lord. But I had stopped believing for something outside of my control. I'd stopped believing for something greater than I could accomplish. I'd stopped believing that this church, we could change the world from 659 Arnold Mill Road. And started to press into what is safe. And started to press into what I can put my hand to and I know we can accomplish. Stop trying to do the big things. Stop trying. Amen. But we serve a big God, don't we? He doesn't manage easily. But listen, you can't manage something that's growing. If you're managing the Messiah in your life, then you aren't growing. If there's not more, this is the idea of growth. If there's not more authority today than yesterday, then you're not growing as a follower of Christ. If there's not more love in you today than yesterday, then you're not growing as a follower of Christ. If there's not more power in you today than yesterday, then you're not growing as a follower of Christ. If there's... <coughs> Not more holiness. Come on, somebody. 
I know what I'm doing is not of God, but I don't care enough. As long as I can manage little baby Jesus in my life, that's all that matters. No! It's not what's going to allow you to be a part of his church in the coming years. Can't you tell folk it's getting ugly? The world's getting ugly. And for the Christians, for the Christ followers, it's not going to become something we can just manage anymore. It's got to become something that rules and reigns. And he, he has our whole lives, everything. Amen? <clears throat> Excuse me. That idea of managing something. No, no. God is birthing his kingdom through us. And we can't manage that. And if we try, then all we do is we celebrate a babe in a manger without allowing him to be the king in our lives. Amen? So that's good preaching, Ross. Watch what it says here in Matthew 2, verse 3 through 6. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. I bet he was. All Jerusalem with him. He assembled the chief priests and scribes of the people he inquired them where the christ was to be born they told them in bethlehem of judea for it is written by the prophet you o bethlehem in the land of judah are by no means least among the rulers of judah for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people israel may he perceives this as a threat to his rule a threat to his kingship what's beautiful is this is a different kind of ruler when, when I'm preaching about him being a ruler that reigns over our heart, a king that reigns over our heart, I'm not talking about an authoritarian that doesn't want your best. No, no. He will become a ruler who will shepherd. Hmm. He'll shepherd his people. He's a precious, tender ruler. Amen? He, he wants to lead us and guide us and direct us. And, but can I just tell you the honest to God truth? As your pastor, I can't tell you how many conversations in the last decade, two decades, that I've had with people as a kind shepherd trying to help them to see that what they're about to move into is going to destroy their lives because it's so far removed from God's word. And you know what they do? They leave this house and go somewhere else. And continue to repeat the same sin over and over to the same price paid upon themselves. Looking at us like we're coming against them personally. No, no. We're good shepherds. He's a good shepherd. But a good shepherd, that doesn't mean anything goes. A ruler, he's the ruler over our hearts. And your pastor doesn't get it right all the time. I know that. And I've got to submit myself to his leadership. Amen? But you know what? Can I be honest with you guys? The tension I was feeling here the last two years, you know what would have been the easiest thing for me to have done? Gone back to Ohio when they asked me to come back to Ohio a couple years ago. And not felt the tension. But you know what would have happened? If I wouldn't have went through the tension, I wouldn't have had the growth. Come on. I, I was experiencing tension. You know, it was, it was jacking my world up. It was making me feel misshaped. It was making me feel like it's not my body anymore. Does that make sense? But God knew exactly what I needed. God knew exactly what we needed. And so he allowed your pastor the last couple of years to go through some stuff that's going to make me a better man. Amen? Or I could have just taken my toys and went elsewhere. Hmm. So I'm not trying to point my finger to anybody that's ever left this house. I'm not trying to do that, okay? I'm pointing myself finger at myself. I'm just saying, when God puts that pressure on, is he king in our life or do we run from that pressure? 
Do we see that as a threat? No, no, no. He's a good shepherd. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down. They worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. But watch what happens. Oh, my gosh. This is the part of the Christmas story that I just, we don't preach because it's not a happy part. I've never preached this part of the Christmas story. I never have. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region, where two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men, and then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. And she refused to be comforted because they are no more. The destruction of the one that would rule and reign. He was trying to destroy what stood in opposition to his agenda. Trying to destroy what was to have rulership over their hearts. He was trying to destroy. And I just want you to understand in our lives, when it comes to every day, every decision, there's one that would love for us to destroy what God is trying to produce in us. And that destruction comes by not allowing him to be enthroned upon our hearts. Your will, Lord, your way, God. They call this experience the massacre of the innocents. And all through the Middle Ages, horrific artistry has been created to depict the massacre of the innocents. But in 1824, I want you to see this picture here. A man by the name of Leon Cognier, he created an amazing picture. Amazing painting. It doesn't show the grotesque stomping of children like some of the Middle Ages. But what it shows is in the corner over there, people running with their babies, trying to get away from the, the slaughter. And this one woman sitting there holding her baby with her mouth shut, <coughs> knowing that the king wants to destroy the best that she has. The king, this, this one that stands in opposition to what God wants to do in that world, in that time, in that era. Is trying to destroy, and she's just trying to hold that thing back and keep it quiet, try to contain it. But <clears throat> God's trying to bring something forth, birth something forth. What is it that we're keeping from God? What is it that you allow to be an assault against your worship? What is it that has become a fight for who will rule in your life? Look at this next picture. <clears throat> Look at that face. Whew. When I see that, I just, I just think of my own heart like, Lord, I want that face. I, I want to be so, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, I want to be, I want to be in so much honor of you as king that when I think about the things in my life that, that stands in opposition to your rule, it just causes me to be fearful, not fearful of you. Not fearful in that way, but just oh, captivated. Lord, please, I want your will. I want your glory. I want what you desire. I want your worship in my life. 
What is it like Herod of old that you're allowing to destroy God's best in your life? What might that thing be? And today's a day as we adore Jesus. Let's stand to our feet, everybody in this room. Today's a day as we come in honor of Jesus that we take whatever that might be and we lay it at his altar. You may literally physically want to come to this altar and kneel and pray. You may there in your seat as we worship. You may just want to, to, to kneel and turn around and pray. And whatever that is, that you're saying, Lord, I know, I know. For me, <coughs> thinking I could manage the best that God wants to do in and through me. Not going after it like I did in my youth. No, no, God, stretch us. Make us uncomfortable. That's for me. I need to lay that at the altar. So when it comes down to it, the greatest gift that I can give us as a church going into 2020 is that of worship. For us to be able to worship one more time in this house on a Sunday morning and not worship merely with our lips, but with our lives. The power of Christ in your life is evident when you realize that the baby came to take over. Amen? The baby came to be king. The old song said, take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Lord, my life is yours. I give you my life. And that's a proclamation of who he is. Now listen, as we proclaim who he is, proclamation is empty without pursuit. Amen? It's empty. The wise men said, for we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. They saw it. They proclaimed him as Lord, and they came to worship him. That pursuit was there. <clears throat> so we're going to go back into worship. We're going to pursue God and worship this morning before we finish. We're going to exalt the baby in the manger, but we're not going to forget that baby is a king. And that baby is who we celebrate at Christmas, but he is the king. And what are we going to do with the king in our lives? And so I want that last thing to be worship. Even in the song, oh, come, let us adore him. We say, oh, come and behold him, be born the king of angels. Amen. So let's worship. Let's submit our hearts to the Lord this morning. And let's just ask God to show us if there's things in our life that we need to submit to his kingship. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.